Hey, I'm Michael Dorinda. And I'm Jake Bennett. And welcome to episode 97 of the North Meet South web podcast. Hey, dude. So you're going to be like, seriously, did you not check that? Did you not check that, Jake? And I'm a little bit curious right now if I'm recording using the correct audio input. Is it worth stopping my recording and making sure that I'm using the right one? Hmm. I'm I'm hearing you over Skype using the correct one, but please do check that you are. Things that make you say, hmm. Mm. Like, let me just look real quick. I wonder if I just do like new. Uh, all right. Here we go. I'm going to stop it and restart it. Here we go. Three, two, one, stopping. And it was recording the correct input. It was. But hey, you know, it's like one of those things where I'd rather check it up front than to oh, sure. get to the end and be like, oh, no, I didn't check yeah. and it was actually recording my AirPods. We've had that happen yeah. before, haven't we? We have. And then I have to like rip the audio from yep. the YouTube stream and then yep. try and make sure we don't end up sounding like we're uh, echoing because the, the audio doesn't always quite line up. When True we, story. When we it has it happened. Back. It has happened before. Um, yeah. So those also those of you who are watching live, Michael was like, what? Happy birthday sign behind you still again. This is the wall that the happy birthday banner always gets put mm-hmm. on when it is someone's birthday. Michael was like, it's nobody's birthday. You forgot to take it down. My little dude, yeah, Harrison, is. is turning four in a couple days. Uh, let's see. Thursday. Yeah, turning four. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thursday. <laughs> And we're going to be in Florida. So we had his little birthday party with all his friends early. So uh, his birthday mm-hmm. banner is up and it was all a good time. Uh, our pool, it was freezing today. It was supposed oh. to be a pool party and it was freezing today. Not like good. 65. Let me see here. Units 65F. About what, 20? C. 15? Yeah, it's 18, 18 degrees Celsius. Yeah, that's probably a bit cool for the pool. The pool, yeah, it, the photo you sent does look sensational though. Yeah, oh man, for sure. So what I did is I cranked the pool up to, mm. let me see, let me see what it would be, your degrees, it would be 29 degrees Celsius. Yeah, it's nice. So it's good. Yeah, it's, yeah. so it was, uh, it was quite comfortable and um, yeah. Until you get out, you're like, holy mother of God. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like all the kids lips were turning purple when they were getting out they're so uh-huh. cold like in the cool and the cold air because the wind was whipping around it mm-hmm, was worth it mm-hmm. yeah i just had to turn the heater on all day so anyway it was a good time a fun a fun time was had by all and i smoked a pork shoulder two pork shoulders today beautiful so yeah that was fun you've been uh you've been breaking out the grill quite a bit these days huh did you like my comment yeah. on your post the other day did you see it? You, you have, have that picture of that beautiful me. T-bone, that beautiful T-bone steak that you made the other day. And I said, kangaroo never tasted so good. Oh, yeah, and kangaroo. Skippy. Did you see that one? <laughs> I did see that. I remember now. Yeah. Yeah. I got a couple, got, got a little bit of activity on that one. A couple I people don't, like that I one. don't, yeah, I don't think, I've never seen a kangaroo steak with a bone in it. Usually mm. it's, it's a, a fillet or something off the bone. I don't. I've seen, you know, kangaroo mints and kangaroo sausages and kangaroo steaks, but I've never, never seen it on the bone. I don't really like. You don't really pretty get, uncommon because it's, it's because it's or such a, a lean. It's such a lean meat. You don't really have like okay. kangaroo ribs and things like that. Um, sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure if you if you if you bought a, a whole slab of skip, you could, but I've I've never slab of skip. Is that what you slab, call? Like, it? Is that the name I, of the kangaroo? Is skip? Well, we used to have a TV show in like the late 80s, early 90s called Skippy, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. And Uh so we refer refer to kangaroo as Skip. And so when you have, when you have spaghetti bolognese, you have spag bog. And when you have, when you have uh, kangaroo bolognese, you have Skip bog. Okay. Is that, is that common? Do people eat kangaroo on a semi-regular basis or not too much? Not really. Um, It's because it's more of a gamey meat. I don't think people... Especially if, if people don't enjoy it, because you have to, you can't, you can't cook it like you would a steak, like a beef steak. You wouldn't cook it. It has to be no more than medium rare. And if you don't, if you don't like your meat quite rare, then you, you probably wouldn't eat it. it it's definitely sure, an acquired taste, sense. but it is, it is, it's, it's very lean. It's very high in protein. So it's, it's good, but it's also more expensive uh, as well. So um, last, last question about killing kangaroos for our sensitive listeners. Sorry, everybody. Um, do people ever go like hunting for kangaroo? Is that a thing? 
yeah like there the is, easiest is, thing this... for me to compare is like you know we go deer hunting here mm-hmm. like you know that's the only thing i can think about that's like you would see out in the wild like in the woods that you would actually go shoot and then eat it it's be, i mean maybe like i mean rabbit or squirrel maybe i mean like i guess sometimes people would do that but typically like mm-hmm. if i know somebody who's like going to eat like a gamey sort of meat or something it's mm-hmm. probably going to be something like deer and venison mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the best thing I can compare it to. Do people ever do that? Go hunt yeah, I mean, kangaroo, hunt skip. It's it's mostly you know professional hunting. Some states do do allow recreational hunting and things like that. You got to get permits and 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 things like that. But it's yeah, it's traditionally professionals, as far as I'm aware. Like it's more, it's more for. I mean, culling. you'd have to be professional to be killing kangaroos with boomerangs. That's that's yeah. the crazy part, right? Because you can yeah, only hunt throwing, with boomerangs yeah. in Australia. Yeah, you, you, that's right. You know, traditionally you're only allowed to use boomerangs or uh, yep. throwing spears for for, yep. for kangaroos. So it's, it's yeah, you have to be very, um, <laughs> very, very skilled to to hit oh, a, a moving kangaroo at a at a hundred meters with a spear. Yes, indeed, mm-hmm. indeed. Okay, well, folks, we can move on from the whole poor little skip. Poor Skip the kangaroo Sorry to our vegetarian and or vegan listeners. Yeah, we'll have to put a warning, a uh, trigger warning at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. This, this, this podcast may contain discussion that may not be suitable for all listeners. Yeah. Listener right, discussion skip is the first, Skip the first seven minutes or so. Yeah, I, I think most of our regular listeners probably do. They just skip, 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 skip. And then, okay, here we go. We're actually into the meat of the discussion. Speaking of, so, uh, hey, um, (laughs) yeah, it's true. No, 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 we're good. Hey, I was going to, I was going to talk about, um, you know, we actually were going to have a special guest on tonight and for a reason, which I don't know if I'd want to share, just, you know, whatever. It's his news to share if he cares to. Something come out. he, yeah, something came up. He was not able to make it, uh, which is a huge bummer. But we were going to have Yaz, uh, Yaz on to talk about. He actually, I suppose we can share his news because he's already shared it on Twitter. But Yaz is yeah. going freelance. So he shared the other day. He said, I'm officially unemployed and said thanks to his previous employer, mm-hmm. uh, Areo, uh, which is pretty cool. Pretty cool stuff they're doing there. Uh, but wanted to talk to him a little bit about his personal journey uh, through a couple of different jobs and then kind of going out to to freelance on his own and sort of the things that led to his decision and, and what the future looks like for him. So we're really looking forward to having him on, but um, not tonight, not tonight. It's not going to work. So with that in mind though, uh, I was interested in hearing uh, about some of the stuff you guys had been discussing in our channel. I had created a new channel uh, for us on telegram and then you guys proceeded to discuss all of your Vim stuff <laughs> in that channel. And then later we're like, wait a second. This is the channel named Yaz yeah. is going freelance. Oops, oops. <laughs> yeah, I thought I, I thought I was having a, a uh, one-on-one discussion with with Yaz because yeah. he'd been asking me about Vim and and what my setup was like and you know how it works with with JavaScript and and whether it's you know good to use with Laravel and PHP in general and things like that. And so I had I'd been going through every now and then, probably every three, four, five months, I'll go through. And there's always little things that you pick up along the way that kind of just start to bug you. And and with Vim, because it's programmable and extensible and all that kind of stuff, you kind of go in and, and you set some time aside and you start to dig in to fix things up. And sure, so sure. I, I pared down a lot of things. And over time, all of our tooling gets better, whether we're using VS Code or Sublime or PHP Storm or Vim, the tooling always gets better. And so often there's better ways of doing things and things work better and if you don't remember to to you know update your plugins and things like that periodically, you might be missing out on some new features and things along those lines. So, I had gone through recently and and I just shared a screenshot in the um, the Vim support group on Discord that I'm that I'm a part of, which I can link to in the show notes. We had a whole bunch of people join yesterday actually, because uh, Jesse Jesse Leet um, tweeted <laughs> an Australian translation of what Pebcac is. So. <laughs> And, and a whole That's bunch hilarious. of people came in and, and, and joined that. So, um, yeah, I, I went through it and there's like, was it two, four, six, eight, nine, nine plugins that, that I'd removed from Vim because they're, they're available in, in sort of less bespoke configurations now. 
So it used to be that I had a, a plugin for Git Gutter and a plugin for PHP CS Fixer and a plugin for Prettier and a plugin for Snippets and a plugin for um, you know Tailwind and things like that. And now lots of these things are available via, I suppose, what is the the most common of the the PHP. It's only the most extensive support for PHP. There's two main ones. There's one called Conqueror of Completion and there's another one called PHP Actor. And PHP Actor was really good. It, it kind of um, read PSR4 and, and did all of your imports and it gave you some intelligence around you know definitions like if you see a method in a file you could click through or you you know you could go through to the where that's defined and and get the method signature and things like that and so then php actor does that by by reading the files and introspecting and things like that whereas conqueror of completion hooks into the the language server protocol so the the basically the thing that powers vs codes in in IntelliSense and things like that so you can install Conqueror of Completion and provide a language server. And then you because IntelliFence, which is the, the thing that powers the tooling in VS Code, is a language server protocol compatible implementation, you could install IntelliFence, point Conqueror of Completion at that and get basically feature parity with VS Code in terms of PHP completion and and importing and refactoring and doc blocks and and all of that kind of stuff so stripping all, all of this functionality and now we've got global extensions available as part of conqueror of completion and that means that you get all of this functionality built in into one place so you can just say, i want these extensions in a similar way that in vs code you'd say i want these plugins or in php storm that you'd say i want yeah, all of sure. these plugins and and it all just kind of uh, scaffolds itself out so if I add a new one to the list, I reread my configuration and then it will just install those plugins and off you go. So it, it's now definitely... That's, just to be clear, so that's... What's powering that? Is it just a VimRC sort of thing? That's uh, that's where mm-hmm. you're talking about with your configuration yeah. file. You just add a new Correct. plugin to VimRC and then you reload Vim and then it's, it just installs it and puts it in yeah. there or you install the, you install the plugin via brew or something like that or does vim have its own package manager or how does it typically so, work yeah so vim just vim, to, vim go, sorry go on no 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 and just to provide some like maybe some context around the situation a little bit so so you know so we we had the discussion with you had the discussion with um yaz in in that channel and you and i of course have discussed like php storm vim whatever and um you know what you basically posted on twitter the other day was you're going to have to start writing and or sharing about some videos about Vim, mm. hashtag dispel the myth, right? And so I thought this <laughs> yeah. was rather insightful. Was You posted on the 25th, which was, so you wanted to change from... So my aim isn't to convince you to change from what works for you now, but instead to show that Vim can be just as powerful as your favorite editor or IDE with less tinkering than you think. Because that's the thing, mm. right? Everybody's like, well, of course it can be. It's infinitely configurable, right? Yeah, um, correct. But how much work is it actually? That's the myth you're trying to dispel, right? Like, yeah. is it actually that much work or is it you just don't know really how it works? So that's sort of what you're trying to explain in the context of the discussion we're yeah. having right now. And that's what I'm trying to yes. understand too, is how is it that you get it set up and why is it actually easier than what I think? So Mm-hmm. So you're talking about using your VimRC file, which is the file where you store your configuration for how Vim runs on your machine. Mm-hmm. And so, so that's why I'm asking some of these questions. Like, does Vim have a package manager? Does it, you know, how do you go about installing some of these things? Like, what does that look like? Yeah. So as of Vim 8, so the current version of Vim, there is, it has its own um, plugin manager now uh, called VimPlug. And that's base. Is it VimPlug? Oh gosh, hang on a Uh-oh. second. No, Let me I'm, just double I check. What, I'm gonna see what version of uh, Vim I have installed. <laughs> let me let me double check this because you know worse. I was using there was like there was Vundle and there was Pathogen um, and there were all these different things before. Um, let me just open my VimRC, I suppose, and double double check all of this plugins. Let's get this off on the right foot. Yeah, um, I'm using yeah, so, 8.2. In, Go ahead. Yeah, in 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 Vim, uh, it's Vim plug, and so basically in your VimRC, you just put in there plug is the keyword space, and then in quotes the the name of the plugin you want. So 
it's it's all configuration file based. Now, obviously VS Code, you have the the global command palette in in Sublime Text. You've got the command palette in PHP Storm. You've got the the plugin directory and the plugin manager and things like that. So they all have this ecosystem. There's some way of doing it. Now, obviously, Vim right. being a text editor, Vim wants you to edit this thing inside of a, a, a text file. So you go and find the the thing that you need on on GitHub. In in most scenarios, you just provide the the namespace or the organization name and the and the project name, and and that's enough to to get it installed. And then those different plugins will provide their own documentation for around how you configure it. So in this scenario, I just put in in um, plug, and then where is it? CIC. No, in this Neo case, do you say vim and then plug, or how do you? How is it that you're doing it? Uh, so literally, it's just the, just inside of the vimr. So you can put it in the vimrc file, and and typically you would okay, start sure. everything in the vimrc file, and then as you add more things, you would start extracting files. Um, so you would. I've got a plugins directory. Uh, sorry, I've got a plugins.vim, and then all of the individual plugin configuration I put in like plugin slash plugin name.vim, and then they can all gotcha. just load each other. Um, so you just reference it, list it. So it's, it's cool. a yep, include makes sense. type syntax. Um, if you're using NVim, I believe they have uh, an init.vim, which will read these things for you and handle it automatically. I'm not 100% sure on that. But yeah, so we've got Vim plug now, which is built into Vim itself. Uh, and that allows you to handle all of that plugin stuff directly. It's it's really quick. It does things in parallel. So it'll you know suck down all your packages at the same time so you don't have to wait the older bundle and pathogen and things like that used to do it one by one and so it took a little little bit of doing but now it, it just it all just happens really quickly and so we configure that we tell it to use conqueror of completion and then we configure conqueror of completion to use intellifence and whether you install that as a you know as a npm dependency of your project which you probably wouldn't you wouldn't have a dev dependency for intellifence you'd install it globally on your machine and you just pointed at that, and and from there everything just works, and you start getting all of the completions and the type aheads, and you get the pop up menus that that give you all of this extra stuff, and then you configure your key bindings to to specific things. So I've got a key binding for go to definition, so I could put my cursor over a method name, hit my key binding for go to definition, and it will take me to that file. So you know if I've got a a controller that's referencing a method on a on a model, I could hit my thing and it'll take me straight into that file. And then you can jump backwards and forwards between files really easily. There's there's tools that they give you access to refactorings and you know renaming methods and and variables and things like that. And and it's smart enough to be able to either rename those variables in the local scope. So if you've got, you know, a dollar i in a for each and you want to change it to dollar record or dollar row, like it knows it's smart enough to only rename the variable within the scope of that of that loop. Yeah, that so, makes sense. Yeah, sure. Um, so yeah, I suppose circling back to your point around hashtag dispel the myth, it's, I don't, my intention is not to change anyone's mind directly. You know, don't, don't think that I'm trying to say don't use PHP storm or don't use VS code or don't use sublime text, like whatever works for you works for you. That's fine. I know that there's a contingent of people that use Vim. There's every time I, every time I put a screenshot out of Vim or mention something about Vim, there's always a whole bunch of people that are, that are like, you know, I'm interested in this. What are you using? How are you doing this? I had one person tweet during the week that my Vim setup was more comprehensive than what they've got set up in, in their PHP storm environment. And that's not a knock on PHP storm as, as with any of this stuff, it takes some degree of configuration. VS code out of the box doesn't. It's horrible. Yeah, VS Code out of the box doesn't do all this stuff. Caliposio has an entire course exactly. around configuring VS Code. So I, I think really the only thing VS Code has right now in 2021 over Vim for PHP development is the fact that you have a GUI to install your plugins. Mm-hmm. To To configure those plugins, you still have to open the text file and still have to go and change things around. You still have to configure key bindings that make sense for you. I know that... Yeah, but you, again, you have a GUI to do it, right? You have a GUI correct. to make that yeah. happen yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. And I know Caleb has a whole bunch of opinions around, you know, he's got like command KB and command K, whatever, you know, to, to do all those things. For a lot of Vimmers, you would use like the leader key 
which is the the thing that basically tells Vim, hey, what is about to follow is a key map. So and I've got I've got mine set up as as comma. Some people have it set up as space. You know, it, it comes down to personal preference and what's easier for you to 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 hit on the keyboard. This this configuration has to happen. PHP Storm, same thing. You have to configure your key maps. Um, PHP Storm, obviously, because it is built specifically for PHP, it does a lot more stuff out of the box. But at the same time, there's a lot of visual noise in, in PHP Storm. Things that get in the way, things that you can't turn off. I don't know if you still can't, but you know it always had the little the browser icons in the top corner and they were just there mm. forever. I don't know if that's changed no, you, I'm pretty now. sure you can take those out, yeah. Okay, so you can. But for a long time, they were just there and there was nothing you could do about it. But there's a lot of things that you need to do to pare down your editor. Um, in VS Code, a large chunk of that course of Caleb's is paring down the editor, removing the visual noise, getting rid of all of the extra stuff so that you can focus on writing code. Vim is the other way around. Vim is pared down by default and you add to it exactly what you need to get to where you need to go. And so that's not to say that Vim itself is necessarily easy to work. And this is a, a great point that that Jeffrey Way raised was that you need to invest a lot of time to learn Vim. So don't don't mistake my um, my fervor, my excitement for using Vim in a really powerful way for developing PHP and for JavaScript and for you know CSS and Tailwind as Vim being easy to to learn because Vim takes a long time and and 15 years into my career as a you know professional developer I'm still learning things about Vim all the time I'm learning new ways of doing things I've only just in the last sort of year or so learned about macros where macros you can record uh, a series of keystrokes and then replay that so you know different so like what's an instance and when you would use that so I, I know that you would use Laravel shift for this but one one place that I have used it quite frequently is upgrading a Laravel seven application to a Laravel eight application, which takes the the string based route definitions and converts that to class based route definitions and using tuple notation. So I could record a macro where I would place my cursor in the right place. I would remove the the enclosing quotes. I would put colon colon class after the controller. I would import that controller. I would replace the at symbol, put the you know the method name, whether it's index or or you know show or edit or update in quotes, and then I would wrap that whole thing inside square brackets as an array to get that tuple notation, and I would record that. And that way, another place I could you might then, use that. Yeah, go ahead. And then so I just go to the the next route definition and I hit at w. So if I've recorded that to the to the w register i could go at w and it'll replay that and i go to the next one and then i just go at at and at at will replay the previously used macro and i just do that all the way through the file um there are some variations there might be an invocable so i would record a different macro for that and then the next time i hit that invocable controller i would replay that macro so you can have you know as many different macros registered as you want typically for a for a route file i'd have two or three don't get me wrong Obviously, Laravel Shift is the, the quickest way of doing this, for especially if you've got a large enough routes file. And I think JMAC said recently that the that shift will be available in the next release. So it'll be at the moment it's a separate linter that you can run. In the next in July, I think he said that would launch. It will just become part of the the Laravel Shift that it will convert your route file to that class-based notation. So that's really cool. And that's something that I won't need to do from then on. But, you know, these macros are really useful all the time. If I'm copying and pasting stuff out of Tailwind UI into one of my projects, where we have all of our stuff prefixed with TW dash. So it makes it really easy for me to like go to the start of the line, find class equals quote, insert TW dash. And that's that, that handles the first case. And then my next macro that I register is go to the start of the next class, go to insert mode, uh, insert mode, type tw dash, and then exit insert mode, and then I repeat that until I get to a like a, a screen based one or a focus or an active, you know, where where I actually need to move the cursor to the colon and do the same thing. So I register three or four different macros there when I'm copying and pasting in uh, Tailwind UI stuff into one of our, our work projects, 
And then I can just zip through and then replay all of the things that I need to in order to then update that. And that's a lot quicker than than doing it in other ways. Um, Sublime obviously has multi multi curses, and you can do that. Doesn't doesn't quite handle it as well in those pseudo selector places because the the tw the the prefix needs to go after the colon so you've still got to separate that kind of stuff out but yeah so like you know, does vim have does vim have multi-coaster support it does i can tell you i have never ever used it interesting like do you ever use multi-coaster support like in sublime yeah if i if i need something like if i know that i'm going to need something that needs multi-cursor um if i'm manipulating a, a json document or a csv or something i will open it in sublime text um yeah, I'm, I'm going That's to what use I always do too the, I'm going to use the right tool for the job. But for me, 99% of the time, Vim is the right tool for the job. And and it's because I'm quicker with it than I am with anything else. And and I, you know, I said this on Twitter. I'm I have used PHP store. I learned in Vim. The the first editor I ever used was Vim. It was a remote dev server. There was there was no option. Like there was no PHP store. And we had, you know, IntelliJ and and NetBeans and things like that available. Sure, but yeah, ninety nine percent of the time was Vim on a on a remote dev server. And then yeah, I got a Mac, and then I used Coda for a while, uh, and then you know a Sublime Text, and then I went to PHP Storm, and I used PHP Storm for a couple of years, and then I came back to Sublime Text, and eventually I landed back in Vim, and I've been on Vim since two thousand and seventeen as my primary editor. So, you know, four years. I kind of remember that. And I think I remember that when you decided to make that one, that jump back and like mm. kind of go hardcore at it and just stick in there. Yep. Yeah. And so, and I spent a lot of time in the terminal. I have a an ultra-wide monitor and I have a 70-30 split that's terminal and browser. And if I'm working in the browser, if I'm not, then it's just a full screen terminal. And I'm using Tmux. So I've got Vim in a pane. I've got, you know, Vim will send test output to a to a pane. I've got I've got keyboard shortcuts set up so that I can call artists and make commands so I can you know do all that kind of stuff from Vim. I've got a text-based Git client so I can do all my Git stuff within Tmux as well. So 99% of the time I don't even leave the the terminal. And you know it's definitely a, a choice and and, and you know People that are using VS Code, they configure it to open a terminal in VS Code. People that are using PHP Storm, open a terminal to... Uh, people in using PHP Storm configure it to open a terminal inside PHP Storm. I think I think it's a really powerful way of doing things, is having a terminal available yeah. where you are doing your code. I get yeah, that some people to, prefer... Uh, the I used GUI. to open a separate Sometimes one, I use and GUIs. it was just like... Since I've started doing it inside of PHP Storm, it makes a world of difference. Yeah. Mm. And being able to do like run tests straight from within my editor. So like if I press command or it's control shift R, I think run the current mm-hmm. test under the cursor, right? Or yep. like get out into the main test file and just con- control shift R and it runs the entire thing. Yeah. And then all runs directly to within the within the um code editor. Those are really mm-hmm. yeah, those are really powerful things to not have to switch yeah, out perfect. of that context you just stay right there and it's like command zero to open terminal right command nine to open Mm -hmm. git command uh uh, i don't remember what the tests one is but anyway yeah um just be able to stick right in there and and so like exactly what you're talking about right like it's the same thing um it's just that it's like i just have them listed along the bottom of my uh editor monitor tinkerwell terminal git to do Mm -hmm. problems favorites npm Gulp. I never use those. <laughs> Some of these are on here that I never ever use. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like even in PHP Storm, over a period of time, you're going to set up a whole bunch of stuff that you forget about that you don't use anymore. You know, you're not using Gulp anymore, but that's that's still configured in right. there. The, the same yep. the same things that happen in Storm and Sublime and VS Code happen in Vim. And, and over a period of time, you go through and you clean stuff and you get rid of stuff. I was trying to find something the other day because I had two things that were doing the git gutter like putting the symbols for changed lines in my my um line number column and i i figured out what one of them was but i couldn't find the other one so you you know you get in these scenarios every now and then where you've got a plugin and you're like you're not quite sure what's doing it over time so you know just keeping the tool sharp keeping the workspace clean is is what i like to think of in, in terms of vim and you know we we're all doing it we're all trying to find the workflow that works best for us and we're all trying to 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 make it as as seamless as possible 
you know, David David Hempel and Adam Wadden, they built the the Sublime PHP unit plugin so that they could run their tests from within Sublime. I'm pretty sure with the release of Sublime version four, they've got a terminal built in now. So you can, you know, pop up a terminal window within Sublime text and and run the tests in there. I know that it's they've upgraded their Python support so they can better support IntelliSense and the language server protocol, which which VS Code is. Um, VS Code is obviously going to have the the best first party support for that because Microsoft owns the LSP, they own the editor, they own TypeScript. So that integration is always going to be tightest within VS Code. But because it's open source, it gets ported to you know Storm and to Sublime now with their better support for LSP and and to Vim. And so, you know, we're all striving for the workflow that that works best for us. And, you know, someone said to me, what's what's the selling point for using Vim over PHP Storm? I said, well, it's the same as VS Code, you know. <laughs> it's your, you still need to configure it, right? Unless you're using PHP Storm, you still need to configure a, a fair bit in some way or another to, to get it where you need it to be. Vim has the overhead of having to learn Vim. But I think, um, and, and I, I tweeted Ben Orenstein talked about this on his Art of Product podcast recently where he still feels that, uh, to paraphrase him, uh, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes for, for the actual thing, but to paraphrase him, he still feels that as a professional code writer that Vim is probably worth learning. Um, it's, it's, it's certainly the, I, I certainly find it the most powerful tool for moving text around and, and doing things with text and, and writing things with text. And you don't get any of that visual noise by default it's like here is the code and if you want to add the noise you add the noise i've got line numbers and i've got git gutters and i've got now intellisense does the whole like you're using deprecated you know using a deprecated method or you know you're you're using a method that doesn't exist so all of that kind of stuff is there but circling back to the test yeah Circling, circling back to the well, because you get that that feedback within the editor, and exactly. this is how yeah, PHP Storm does this. Yeah, I get the PHP Storm does this. I get the PHP Storm does all these things. That is not lost on me. Okay, people say that to me all the time. <laughs> Whenever I mention, why don't you just use PHP Storm? I don't want to use PHP Storm, and I don't need you to want to use Vim. I'm talking to the people that know how to use Vim, that are using Vim, that have maybe left Vim like I did, and they they they're looking about coming back. I I don't subscribe to the belief that. PHP Storm makes you a a worse developer or a better developer. I think the tools are there to enhance your workflow and whether you're a good or bad developer is just whether you're a good or bad developer. You know. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we're, we're, right. This is all yeah. about enhancing and streamlining and and doing what works best for you and and Yeah, if you're a good developer, you're going to make the tools that you have work, right? You could write in Notepad. Right? I mean, that's true. Like so if if PHP Storm was the only, the one and only, and the best tool for everyone, there wouldn't be this huge contingent of people using VS Code. Yeah, I think some of it is too, like a, the paid versus non-paid thing. Right, VS Code is free, mm. and so I think you get a lot of people. You get a large chunk of people who are. We all know how ch- how cheap developers are, don't we? I mean. Anything that we can get we, for free, that's the thing. We're yeah, we want to be. Towards. We want to. We all want to be paid six figures, but we don't want to spend a hundred bucks a year on the code editor that we are going Correct. to be using all day, every day. Yeah, yeah. Or like the font that is like the like you know like you know you would think that uh, you know somebody was over here. I don't know. I don't want to be gross, so I won't say what I was going to say. But like you know, people there's there's a font that comes out that's specifically built for code editors, right? It's like a hundred bucks and people are like, what? I would, I would never spend mm-hmm. that much money. It's like, you do this every day, all day though. Right. I mean, you do realize that like this is built specifically for this purpose and that's yep. why they're charging for it. And oh, that's ridiculous. I would never pay for that. And so, so I think that honestly is part of why VS code has a large, such a large contingent. I mean, even in, even in, I mean, so sublime four just came out, right. Mm-hmm. But you've got to buy a license. And so, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. So for me, like, I think some of the things that are really attractive about any of these editors and outside of like Vim is like Sublime was my first editor that wasn't like Notepad++, right? And Wilbur mm-hmm. Power, he's actually, he's in the chat and he was talking about, um, he was talking about Notepad++. 
He's like, yeah, yeah Notepad++, that's the stuff, right? And so Notepad++ was like an uh, editor I used for a long time. And then I used Sublime, Sublime. And I felt like when I was first learning it, it was like, okay, like this is a completely different sort of thing. I was, I was learning like the multi-cursor stuff was a big deal. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll be able to select something like command D, whatever, and get down through all the different variables and then be able to rename them all at once or, you know, being able to select through a list and change the names of all the classes at one time, all that stuff, right? Those things were all super, super powerful. And so whenever I've gone from sublime to anything, the first thing I do is always like import all the keyboard shortcuts, right? Like, oh yeah, yeah. like sublime style, right? It seems like every editor has that sort of, uh, yeah. you, you're comfortable using those shortcuts here do this and now you've Mm -hmm. got all your sublime shortcuts right um Mm -hmm. and really there's only a few but i feel like multi-cursor support is one of those things that i've leaned on as a crutch for like a long time and maybe less now that i'm using php storm because i just use like the refactor commands so i'll just highlight a a variable command t and then rename and then go through it like that right which is again vim has similar functionality now right so you don't really need multi-cursor support all that often or if i do i'll pop stuff open to sublime right? i don't use it i don't, don't do it in php storm super often yeah. Um, yeah so yeah yeah no it's interesting i don't know i i i like vim i use it on a regular basis probably almost daily but i don't have all the fancy plugin stuff right i just have like basic mm-hmm. highlighting syntax highlighting sort of things yeah. Um, cause again, it's like use the right tool for the job sort of, sort of deal. So whenever I'm in on a server and I need to browse around, I know how to use Vim. I know enough how to, like to be dangerous, but, um, I'm not doing any like heavy editing in it. It's more like I'm poking around and stuff and, and making small yeah. changes if I need to, or more, more likely just exploring kind of a, a currently running app in production, just looking mm-hmm. around at stuff and be like, okay, is that correct? Is that how it's supposed to look? <laughs> or what, yeah. you know, what might be going on here? Throw a log statement in somewhere if I need yeah. to look at a process that's having Accidentally a delayed a chunk of code. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. I've not done that yet. It's, you know, because it doesn't autosave, at least mine doesn't. Like I've done, I've not got mm-hmm. set up to autosave, so I can always undo real quick. And, yeah. You know, oops, that didn't look right. Undo that. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I like using Vim. It's just not a daily driver for me. So, yeah. but yeah, like if, thing, if you're, I would say like, if you're one of those people who doesn't know anything, like who's literally afraid to use Vim, that's not good. That's, that's probably not a good thing. Like correct. you should, and this is not you. And I'm not trying least... to convince you that you should learn Vim, but I am saying that if you do invest the time in it, it is a very powerful tool. I always, I'm always slightly amused by the people that say, just use PHP storm with the Vim plugin or just use VS code with the Vim plugin. And what that tells me is that you don't know Vim quite as well as other people because those things work for the basic movements, you know, using HJKL for for moving around and like selecting lines and things like that. But to someone that that knows the Vim motions quite well, it's it's not the same. There, there are there are so many things that are missing, and you know, the decisions that were made in Vim and and things that were that that have been in Vim for twenty years, that just makes sense now, twenty years later. Like how many how many tools can you say programming tools can you say have been a around for twenty years? You know, Emacs maybe, but the decisions they made twenty years ago are still relevant now. You know that. So that that's always something like, and and then trying to to slap a plugin together that emulates Vim. Well, it, that's what it is. It's an emulator, and it's not, it's not, it's not meant to. And I I don't expect it to to have one to one feature parity with what Vim does. But once you get beyond that that basic functionality, and you try and use a, a Vim emulator, it's just not the same thing. So, and I, I tell you what, so you know that that always amuses me. Because those people obviously they they just don't know they and they don't know what they don't know and that's fine you know a lot of the time we don't know as developers what we don't know the the one that that gets me every time is that how do you exit Vim like that that joke is so old and 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 it's it's look really please if that's what if that's all you have to say to me about Vim just just don't because it doesn't work. <laughs> It's a well, it's a well meaning, it's a well meaning joke, right? It's just somebody that it's doesn't just have so, anything else to it's, say. Yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a meme. Old. It's a meme, yeah. right? It's like, it's like somebody replying to a Yaz. It's like somebody replying to a Yaz tweet with a, a like a uh, serious response. Drake with a Drake, no, like a Drake gif, right? It's just like, mm. it's just a jab, right? It's just being silly. Yeah. So, 
Well, anyway, so I'm interested to see kind of what you uh, what you come up with in this in this. Um, and I, you know, I probably will not dump a bunch of time into um, Vim getting Vim set up, but it's it is interesting enough that I would probably spend mm-hmm. a little bit of time learning about some some different pieces. It's it's one of those things. It's it's good to know uh, a little bit about. You can get you can get a good amount of information with a minimal amount of investment. It's it's mm-hmm. sort of like one of those things where you can get like 50 to 60% of what you need like to know within a couple hours. And then the other 40% is what takes you forever. Right. Yeah. 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 You can go through like the Vim playground and all of that, the Vim, Vim, Vim tutorial, Vim tutor. Like if you open up Vim and you type colon Vim tutor, I'm pretty sure my keyboard stopped working. So I won't do that. But if you, if you do that and that, that takes you through learning the, the initial things, there is a project that I will link to in the show notes called it's vim.so which is like an online learning platform that that looks really good that teaches you how to use vim so definitely check that out uh, vim.so again, I would, yeah i would uh, tell you actually can you look it up because my keyboard stopped working yeah i'm looking it or, up right now i feel like i've seen this yeah it's been around for a little yeah, while I, yeah i've been here kevin or steve something like that i'm sorry I'm going to try this out. I'm going to try this out again. I feel like I have seen it, uh, mm-hmm. but it's been a while since I've done this. Yeah. But you will You will definitely learn the basics very quickly in terms of, even if you don't use HJKL to move around, if you're using up, if you're still using the arrows, that, that's cool. Um, HJKL, it just keeps all your hands in one place. Like you don't have to reach over and, you know, all of that stuff. So, but but being able to, delete multiple lines with a couple of keystrokes, being able to select a couple of lines, move them around your document without, you know, yes, the mouse is there, but the mouse the mouse is like all the way over there. You know, even people that are using Sublime Text, Adam is always talking about, you know, the keyboard shortcuts that he's using so he doesn't have to use the mouse. People want when they're coding to keep their hands in the, in the one place and just, just type. And, and so, you know, Vim really embraces that to the nth degree. So... One one thing that I resisted for a long time because I thought it would be visually distracting, and then once I gave it a go, it was not as distracting as I thought it was. Is using relative line numbers. So, in your number column, on the you know where you've got line numbers, normally it's listed one through ninety nine. With relative line numbers, it's it's the line you're, so if you're on line 50 it'll show that you're on line 50 but then it will count upwards from 1 in both directions and this makes it very easy if you wanted to visually select a block or a number of lines you know you want to go up to the next paragraph or up to the next if statement or whatever you could hit shift v 5k and that would just you know you could eyeball how many lines you need to go up or down and then just do it that way and that once I really started to get into the Vim motions and, and moving up and down the file, that made things a lot, lot simpler. There's there's shortcuts. Um, there's, you know, you can select in paragraphs, around paragraphs, which means, you know, include the, the paragraphs. You could select inside a div, change inside a div, select the div, delete the div, delete inside the div, all of this kind of stuff that you can do with just a couple of keystrokes where you would otherwise be fumbling around with the mouse. I know that VS Code has, has plug a... Uh, VS Code and Sublime have got key bindings to do that kind of stuff. I'm sure PHP Storm has it as well. It's just being able to do all this stuff. And, and over time, you, you you learn it. But once you learn the motions, you can learn about chaining the motions together to do different things. Um, and that's where Vim gets really powerful as as a tool for moving code around. Um, and that's that's the bit that I think takes a long time. Configuring, especially now, install COC, Install IntelliFence, pick pick a theme. That's that's really the only configuration you need to do to get. And and the, the even the theme is optional. Install CRC, install IntelliFence. That's all you really need to do in order to to have a really solid piece of tooling. Pay the eighteen dollars to to get the IntelliFence license for all of your machines for all of the updates that they ever make, and you get the extra re- refactoring, renaming, all of that kind of stuff. $18 is a steal for every single update ever considering you're paying, you know, 100 bucks a year for PHP Storm. Obviously, IntelliSense will still work without that, but you only get like the the 
the type definitions and things like that, click-through files, uh, import your statements, things like that, which is which is the same whether you're doing it in VS Code or Vim. So. Interesting. So, yeah. And then I guess like with PHP Storm, it's like you said, you pay 100 bucks a year for it, but then you get that. Like You don't have to use IntelliFence because they use their own stuff. Correct. Obviously, PHP Storm is going to have all the stuff built in for that price tag because that's specifically what it's built for. So Yeah. One thing I do use... It's like a paid thing in PHP Storm is that Laravel, what is it called? Idea? Yeah, that's it. Laravel Idea. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it makes It's pretty handy. I like that one. It's worth the couple bucks I pay for it a month. And um, So I discovered I discovered recently that Laravel ID Helper, the, the project from Barry, Barry van der Hoevel, yeah. that's actually uh-huh. a, mm-hmm. that's an editor agnostic format. So it's not specific to PHP Storm or or Sublime Correct. or VS. It, so I've installed that in my in my um, project template and and in some projects that I'm working on now. And as long as you remember, this is the important thing: you have to remember to regenerate the the IDE helper and the models the models helper. You know, whenever you create a new model, whenever you add new methods, like to periodically regenerate that file, and you'll get all of that completion. Like it'll give you property completion. So. The IDE helper, when you do um, PHP artisan IDE dash helper colon models, it will actually connect to your database and look at all of the tables and look at all of the fields and all of their type definitions. And then it will write the doc blocks into the underscore, either either into the header of your models, into the page level doc block, or into a underscore IDE underscore helper underscore models.php file. And then your editor, Storm, sublime vs code vim they will read that file and they will give you the type type declarations and that's that's key for things like laravel because laravel uses a lot of magic methods and property access and things like that sure to to access those things um php storm goes to an extra level where you can like i'm pretty sure you can click on a view so if you've got view quote and then you know post.edit you can click on that and that will take you through to the view i don't i don't think idea helper does that but certainly you know, those kinds of things, like whether I'm clicking through that or I'm hitting the command palette and just typing like PO, ED, and enter. I, I don't, you know, six one, half a dozen of the other there really for me. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, just whatever you're used to, whatever you decide to do, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Okay, Um. so hey, uh, we are probably hitting close to time here. We're at 48 minutes. So I was going to say real quick before we kind of jump off, uh, I do have, man, I, uh, <laughs> I have a couple sites I I'm helping, um, you know, this nonprofit I work with on occasion, mm-hmm. um, they've got some old crusty Laravel sites out there, like running like 5.4 Laravel 5.4. Yep. Crazy thing is like, there was, there was also another project that was like, like running like 5.7 it was like in 2019 that this one was particular in particular was created. And now it's like, we're getting ready to like hit like Laravel. I think we're like 8.5 right now, something like that. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's, it's kind of crazy how, how fast the things change. And so it's a really good reminder to stay on top of like Laravel shift is cheap. If you stay up with it, if -hmm. you don't stay up with it, it's like 30 bucks per shift. Right. Yeah. So to go from yeah, 5.5 to 5.6 is $30 to 5.7 is $30 to 5.8 is $30 to 6.0 is $30 to 6. You know what I mean? So it's, and it's the thing is like, it's worth it. It's totally worth it. Um, but at mm. this point I'm almost into their like human shift where it makes sense, you know, and yeah. I've used their, their human services stuff before. I'm curious if uh, the amount of time that they offer in each block is able to get through all the different shifts. Cause it's, if it's not, it's like, I might just save, money by trying to do it myself but i don't want to do it myself that's the problem yeah i'm not sure if this nonprofit will bite on like a 500 price tag to update something mm-hmm. that's they're going to see basically no benefit from other than hey Correct. you're not going to be running on php 7 1 anymore you mm-hmm. know or something stupid yeah. so yeah i i do it. i i just budget it in any of the stuff that i'm doing because the, these client apps that i've talked about before that i touch once a year you usually get two or three version bumps and i just budget in the fact that i'm going to laravel shift them and when i went to from six to seven i like baselined a whole bunch of stuff took out a whole bunch of weird stuff that was just 
not right. I spent a bit of time then in the, you know, knowing that in the future I would have to be still maintaining this app. And so now my Laravel shifts take like 20 minutes because it's run it, check the nodes, see if there's anything that was missed um, exactly. and, yeah. and go there. Especially now that, that it does better config merging. Of the of because before it used to just baseline your config files and then you'd have to go and figure out what changed and and add your old stuff back and things like that. So now it now it will do a much better job of merging your changes with the defaults. So I don't even really have to go through that kind of stuff anymore. And it's just such a seamless process to to shift and to to get things updated that I would do it even if I was paying for it out of my own pocket for for client yeah. work just because it makes sense to try and get the application baselined as much as possible with with what Laravel is at that time. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at at this point is it's like I don't I don't want to pay for it out of my pocket to upgrade their stuff, but it's like they yeah. it's getting to the point where like I, you know the, all the libraries like you can't like you know you get you get into these weird situations again where it's like you can't install, install the library because the Laravel version is behind or 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 because the PHP version is behind or whatever it might yeah. be. So Or you can install just, an older version of the library that doesn't have the functionality that you need. Yeah. Because it was added yeah, in, it's just, in a new It's just messy version. really quick. And then it's like, yeah, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, in either case, though, I have gotten much more familiar with deploying applications uh, or like building and deploying applications because I've been helping the uh, applicants. I say applications. I mean like... Um, iOS and Android apps. Right. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Which has been interesting. It's, talk about it that next was, time. used to be, what's that now? We should talk about that next episode. Yeah, Talking let's do that. It's been really, it, it is very, it's very interesting. And it's cool too. Like, I, it's not too bad. It's not too bad anymore. Like, it's, it's very mm-hmm. approachable. There's so many options uh, for how to build this stuff out anymore. It's so many options. Uh, so yeah, we should talk about that next show. So why don't we uh, why don't we wrap it up there? And maybe I mean we have a couple of things. Next show we want to talk to Yaz probably, so we'll have Yaz yeah. on. So be sure to tune in next time to hear Yaz, and then maybe the time after that we can talk about um, deploying applications uh, like web, uh, not uh, well, not web applications, but phone applications. Yeah, that'd be that'd be a good one. Mm-hmm. Beauty. Okay, dokie. What episode were we on again? Ninety seven. 97 thanks everybody for checking in with us we appreciate it uh feel free to check out show notes for this episode at northmeetsouth.audio slash 97 uh of course you can always find us on twitter at michael dorinda at jacob bennett or at north south audio and of course to write us up in your podcast of choice five stars would be amazing we appreciate it all we'll see you in two weeks see you bye bye